Next week, we're going to be talking about slaves and masters. Last week, Adam talked about children, and this week, we're going to be talking about parents. So we don't rebel against our roles and responsibilities, but we see, as we've been talking about, how they point to something greater. So, you're proclaiming the church's obedience as you Husbands, we exalt Christ. We exalt Christ by loving our wives. Because we're helping proclaim Christ's love for the church. And children, as Adam preached on last week, we obey our parents as the people of God are fully obeying God Himself without reservation, without hesitation. So children, it's important to obey your parents because you are proclaiming how we are to relate with God. So fathers, parents, and our parents, we are to nurture and train our children through discipline and instruction the same way that God has nurtured and trained us. So even in your relationship with your children, it's pointing to something greater, much greater than yourself. And this is why a text like this is applicable to you if you don't have children, or even if you're not married. So you might not have a child under your wing, but you're able to rejoice in the good, gracious Father who has nurtured you and brought you up through discipline and instruction. So with that, let's turn to the first part, provoking your children. Paul starts out, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So how does this happen? How do you how do you provoke your children to anger? More importantly, what is going on inside of your heart? What is going on inside of your heart as you are disciplining your children? If you discipline and it's brought forth in anger, you will have the natural byproduct of anger with your children. So the moment a child sees anger inside of you when, he, when you're disciplining him, of course he's going to respond in anger back to you. So ask yourself, what are your motives in discipline? How often are there, is there anger or resentment as you're disciplining your children? So when, you, when anger is in your motive, your fruit in your children is going to be anger, even though you're disciplining if resentment is there in your heart as you're disciplining, you're going to have resentment coming out of your children. But if godliness, if godliness is in your heart, well then you're going to begin to see the fruit of godliness with your children as well. So consider this, parents. When you're disciplining your children and anger, and that's in your heart, what are you communicating to them about their Heavenly Father? But parenting, if this is a, an image of something that is much greater to us, as we discipline in anger, what are you communicating to your children about their Heavenly Father? So you're, you're, you're showing them not the beautiful picture of God's love, but rather you're showing them God's anger that is poured out upon those who don't repent. Or God's anger upon those who do 
proving he does not love upon those who do not worship him. So rather than Jacob, you're treating him as Esau. Rather than Isaac, you're treating him as Ishmael when you create this false sense of who God the Father is. You're saying you're not a legitimate child. I'm not going to treat you as God God has treated me. And so, as they see their earthly father, earthly mother, filled with anger and malice, it's only natural that they're going to see their heavenly father also filled with anger and wrath and malice. So right now you might have a child that is is angry, resentful towards you. But soon, you're going to have an adult that is angry and resentful towards God. So pragmatically, what can you do over the next week? What can you do over the next week to not provoke, provoke your children to anger? Number one, Never, never discipline in anger. Never discipline in anger. Undoubtedly, this many kids, some of your parents are going, but, but, you know, certainly there's a good instance. But I would consider, do not use the facade of God's righteous anger against sin as a way to, to promote your own selfish anger. It's not an excuse for you to, and your sin. So if you're angry and you want to discipline your children, just cast them out of your sight. Send them to their room. Banish them away for a while until you can deal with it in a constructive manner. And if you are struggling with anger towards your sin, towards your children, I encourage you to contemplate God's patience with you. How many years did you want in open rebellion against God. And He could have punished you at any time, but He was patient with you. And He softened your heart through the working of the Spirit. He brought people into your life to share the Gospel with you. And He eventually, if you're in Christ, He brought you to the point of repentance. So consider God's patience with you as you find yourself impatient and angry with your children. So number one, never punished in anger. Another one is to, to follow through. Um, now, in all fairness, my beloved bride, Rachel, has perhaps reminded me of my shortcomings in this, in this one. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so what, do we, what does it look like? So you, you create a line, you create an expectation, the child crosses the line. It's like the U.S. foreign policy. And then we create another line. And then they cross that line. And then you create another line. You have this little dictator on your hands that thinks he can do whatever he wants. And so the child becomes a little more emboldened to work against the boundaries that you've created. And he's somewhat confused. And you yourself are becoming more and more angry. So then after the fifth time, the child thinks he's doing what might be okay. And then you just drop the hammer. So... And foregoing discipline and the line that's been crossed, you think you can excuse it away. You think you might... And this time, you might be doing what's actually best for the child. So when, they, when, they, when you're at home and you eating supper and the child gets up and walks away from the table, they're done eating, right? But I don't want them to be hungry all night, right? So, come on back. Sit down. Let's eat, Okay. And so what are you doing, friends? You're training your children to cross the line. Training them to 
cross the boundaries. I submit to you, it would be better for your child to starve and be trained in godliness and conformed more to the image of God than to have a meal, one meal, and implicitly be trained that it is, it's fine to cross these boundaries. Because they start crossing, remember, you're imaging God, so you have to start crossing your boundaries. It's only a matter of time until they start crossing God's boundaries. So you're training them implicitly to rebel against God without, without punishment. And so in the end, you have a child that is needlessly over-disciplined because it's been building up. And then the fifth time, you just drop the hammer. So you have the child that's over-disciplined. He's somewhat confused. And in the end, he's going to be angry because he thinks he's doing well. They said this, but they really mean it because they're not doing anything about it. So then you have this anger building up within your child. So what to do at home over this next week? Do not discipline in anger, but do discipline. Follow through. When you create a line, follow through. So we've seen the negative portion of this command that we, we don't want to discipline in anger because we harvest the fruit of anger. And also we want to instruct our children and build a framework of, of a good picture of who their Heavenly Father is. And we don't want to construct that through our sinful actions such as anger. So now we're going to be turning to the second part, nurturing your children. So I'll just read the whole verse. Hopefully you'll maybe have it memorized at the end of the sermon here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And here's where we're going. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So as God is the standard, of all that we believe and all of our conduct, we realize that this is no different when we come to the realm of parenting itself. So when we ask ourselves, what does it look like or what does it mean to bring up children in discipline and instruction? Ultimately, we're asking ourselves, how has God brought us up? That's the question that needs to be answered. So, take a brief journey with me, if you would, to see how God has dealt with his people. So here is Israel, of whom God says, Israel, my son, my firstborn. And God has loved his people and he has chosen them among from all of the nations. And he has chosen them and set his affection upon them, not because they were more numerous, but simply because he chose them and he loves them. And they were in slavery and with a mighty hand he redeemed them from Pharaoh and from the land of Egypt so that they could know that the Lord is God. And after delivering them through the Red Sea, he refined them through 40 years in the desert. Daily he gave them food to eat and water to drink and he gave them clothes that did not wear out. And sure, as they're in the desert, they want to go back to Egypt because of the onions and the leeks. They're so good, right? But he brought them to the promised land. And they were there in the promised land, terrified before their enemies. But time and time again, God delivers them in a mighty and miraculous way. He disciplined them and he pruned them in love, even though they were rebellious. Continually. Read your numbers. You see their rebellion time and time again. But God continues to prune them. And he also instructed them through the law, through the festivals, through the priests, and through the prophets. And patiently, 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 
Over hundreds of years, he nurtured them through his word and through discipline to bring his beloved children, those that were his, to the point of repentance. Perhaps you see this narrative and you realize it's not only the, the story of Israel, friends. If you are in Christ, that is the story of you. There you were in bondage to your sin. And from this slavery, God has redeemed you. And he passed, he passed over the Israelites and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. The, the angel of death will pass over. So God has passed over you when he sees the blood of the lamb, which is the Messiah. So he's redeemed you. And now here you are, going through the desert, still longing sometimes for this former sin that you used to have. But God is patiently pruning you and sanctifying you and bringing you to the promised land. But, friends, for some Israelites, they continued to walk in their rebellion and God nearly destroyed them. You have the Egyptians and the Syrians and the, the Babylonians coming over and left only a remnant. You, you see it in Isaiah, this, this burden over stump where the shoot of Jesse comes out. Leaving only a remnant through which the hope of the world would come. So, if God has destroyed whole nations that walk in rebellion against Him, would He not destroy you, one person, from walking in rebellion against Him? Well, surely He would. So, if you are not in Christ, friends, we implore you, if you are not made alive together with Christ, to repent of your sins, to throw yourselves at Christ's feet, that you may be found in Him, the fullness of everything. So we, we see this narrative of God dealing with His people, and we see that it is also the narrative of God dealing with us as well. So with that in mind, let's go, let's go back to our text, chapter 6, verse 4. And we're going to look at what, what exactly, what does this mean, what does this look like to bring children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. First part is bringing them up in this, this is the same word uh, can be translated, nursing, that husbands are to relate to their wives in the same way. It's a very affectionate term. It's not a drill sergeant term. It's a very loving, affectionate term to bring your child up. And you bring them up in two realms. The first one is discipline. Discipline is the training that leads to the fear of God. So as you discipline your children, you are teaching and training the child to be separated from what is destructive. You're training them to be separated from what is destructive. And sure, when they're younger, as parents, we provide an external structure around the child to, to keep them from what is destructive. But as they mature, that, was it, that which is external becomes internal, and that's the mark of maturity with your children. When, when you have this internal structure that you're able to take the fence out of the yard and they stay in the yard. So that's the discipline. And you also have the instruction, which is not the, the keeping away from evil, but the filling of the child, with filling their mind with the Word of God, from catechizing them, teaching them the Word of God. So, a pragmatic. What does, what does this look like in your home? To to bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And 
I, there's a there's a ton. I'm just I'm just going to say one because I don't want it to be watered down by other choices. Only one. Devote time for family worship. There's no way around it. Devote time for family worship. Now I'll grant you that we live in a busy society. We think we're really busy, but often we're doing mindless and typically meaningless things throughout the day. So, and even at that, it's not as though we're not unable to be devoted to our children. Every day, they, right, they get up. We feed them every day. We clothe them every day. You have soccer. You have hockey. You have piano lessons, violin lessons. Yet it's easy to neglect the very thing that is most important to their souls. So, at the end of the day, take stock of what you have done. And if you have not spent time with the Lord or instructed your children in the Lord, then you are declaring that everything else you did but that is more important than spending time with God. So you're able to find time to do everything else but spend time with God, but raise your children up in the Lord. And even in that, you are instructing your children, even though you're not. Passively, you are instructing your children, this is not important. These activities are, but this is not. It would be better... For your children to, with, to eat late and be fed the word of the, the bread of life and the living water and, and skip a meal. So if you don't have time, drop other things, whatever it might be. Make time for family worship. And this continual devotion to God is at the forefront in uh, Deuteronomy 6. This tomorrow that you guys undoubtedly know. So what you have in Deuteronomy, what you have going on, the first generation wandering through the wilderness. God has redeemed them from Egypt, this first generation. They get to the promised land. They're afraid of the giants in the land. They don't want to go in. God wanders them, kills them off, 40 years in the desert. You get now to the, you're on the edge of the promised land. You have the second generation. They weren't there when the law was given. So Moses is again giving them law. And you see that in chapter 5, giving them the commandments. And then you get to the beginning of chapter 6, and you see what are they to do with the law. How are they to live under the law? So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. I'll read it for you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is God's expectation for us as families, that we would be saturated everywhere we go. We would be saturated in the Word of God. And you see, it begins with the nature of God. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It begins with the nature of God, once again, and our response of love to the nature of God and everything that He's done. And we see that the Word is present in our hearts. And everywhere you go, at home, at travel, as you get down, when you get up, everywhere you go, everything you do is an opportunity to instruct your children in the Word. So, over this next week, just commit time. Just say, we're going to do this. I don't care what sacrifices we have to make. We are going to spend time worshiping. And it's not easy. I understand many of you moms wake up and it's an absolute mad dash for the time you get to bed. 
But I know that this spending time in the Word with your children is much more profitable than anything else you'll do throughout the day. So even if it's just ten minutes, five minutes, one minute, even if you're tucking your child in at night and forget all about it, they go, oh. Just rehearse John 3.16. Just say, and it, did you know? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if that's, a, if that's a step for you, take that step. You don't have to start with ashes and sackcloths as you read through the minor prophets. It's good to get there, but you don't have to start right there. Start taking these steps of having a family that is more devoted to God and ask yourself, what do we need to do to make this happen? So we do that with our jobs, with homeschooling, or with schooling, or whatever it might be. We ask ourselves, we want this, what do we need to do to make it happen? How do we structure our lives to make this happen? We can do that for so many other things, but unfortunately it doesn't happen for the most important thing. So in conclusion, we see that again, that God is the standard of all that we do and who we are. We look to Him as a standard. So when speaking to parent and raise up our children, we ask the question, how has God loved us? How has He brought us up and nurtured us? So we don't provoke our children to anger. We don't discipline in anger. We don't have moving standards because God is unchanging. He has given us a law. We, have, we don't have standards that is moving. So we replicate this in our own families. But remember that you are imaging God. So we don't do these things, but what do we do? We nurture them through discipline and instruction. We train our... He's God training His people, and we train our children as well. So, parents, what is your role as a parent? What is your role as a parent? Oftentimes our, our days are filled with making food and disciplining, or whatever it might be, but this is your role. This is your role of your parent. What is God's will for your life as a parent? It's right here. Bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's going to look different than every family. I understand that. But that is God's will for your life. It's not some mystical thing. Here it is. Memorize it. As you're dealing with your children, so go, am I bringing them up? Is this discipline and is this instruction that is leading them to godliness? So let us pray. Gracious God, you have created us in your image. And you are, you are most glorified when our lives replicate you and your character, when we are a clear mirror of who you are. I pray that you would give us patience and wisdom as we, as we deal with our children. I pray for the mothers especially that you would give them rest that you would let them know that you delight in the simple tasks that fill much of their days. Pray also for us who have children who have left the home and we think that maybe it's too late. Maybe our children aren't worshiping God like we had thought they would and hoped they would. I ask that you would encourage them to let them know it's not too late. They can still wash their children in the Word. They can still bring up these godly conversations. They can still have these influence over their children, God. I ask that you would give them boldness to be able to reach and reach out to their children and have these difficult conversations. 
And for us who don't have children but yet long for that day, God, I ask that you would give them endurance and patience as they go through this season of waiting for your good gifts. Ultimately, God, we thank you for being the good Father who has sent his Son that we might delight in you 